The text for the sermon this afternoon is the Word of God, as we have it summarized in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 7, question and answer 20 through 23. There we confess as Church of Jesus Christ, are all men then saved by Christ just as they perished through Adam? No, only those are saved who by a true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. What then must a Christian believe? All that is promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. What are these articles? And then follows the Apostles' Creed as we confessed it also earlier in this service. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, where are you at in your life of faith? How is your walk with the Lord going? Are you walking on in faith? Are you able to persevere in the faith, or is it tough going? Sometimes we can be plagued with doubts and uncertainties. We may wonder from time to time whether everything in the Bible is even true. There can come times of testing and trial in the life of every Christian. When everything can seem to be on shifting sands so that there is no longer any firm foundation. There can come moments in your life when everything seems to be up in the air and you wonder what you should believe. Some people can be more prone to this than others. But in this fallen and sinful world, there is no one who is completely immune from Temptation also in matters of belief and faith. While we are in this world, we are plagued with sin and shortcomings on every level. The devil is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour and take away from the sheepfold of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. Living by faith rather than by sight is never an easy matter for us now while we still remain in this life in all of our struggles with sin and temptations. Yet the Lord requires us to live by faith, for it is only by faith that we can believe the promises of God, promises of things that are unseen. It is the things that are unseen that are eternal and trustworthy. They are the things which will never let us down because they come from the good and perfect God himself. They are the things which God the Father gives to us on the basis of the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior, 
things such as forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation. He gives all this to us out of mere grace only because of what Christ has done for us. Salvation, freedom from God's wrath and punishment, is not something we have earned for ourselves because of our goodness and because of our zeal, but only because we believe that Jesus Christ has done it all for us and given it to us as a free gift. It is only by faith that we can make these riches our own. We confess in the first question and answer of this Lord's Day that not everyone is saved by Christ. Although everyone shares in the guilt of Adam and deserves punishment, not everyone shares in the salvation that Christ provides. The salvation of Christ is only given to those who believe the message of the gospel of the forgiveness of sins through Christ. Only those who believe that message will actually be saved and receive the benefits Christ provides. Only those who are grafted into Christ and become a part of Christ are called Christians. What sort of faith does a Christian need in order to be saved? What is the character of this faith? What is true faith? This is the question that the Catechism asks as well. It is a very important question, which each one of us must be able to answer for ourselves and also honestly perceive in ourselves. Let us consider this question on the basis of the explanation the Catechism gives and also the passage from Mark 9 that we read. I proclaim to you God's word under this theme. The Christian has true faith, but needs help overcoming his unbelief. We will see first the character of true faith, second, the struggle with unbelief, and third, the only source of help. The Catechism explains true faith as consisting of two main elements, a sure knowledge and a firm confidence. True faith takes God at his word and believes what he has said to us in his word. Someone who has true faith knows that we must go to the Lord in heaven. He is the only one who provides the solutions to life's problems and troubles. He is the only one who can provide real help and assistance. How do we believe the Lord at his word? We can only do this by knowing the scriptures and what he has revealed to us in them. To have true faith, we need to know the Lord from his holy word. We need to take the time to do this so that we will be well equipped with the knowledge that we need to trust in him and to go to him in all situations of life, good or bad. Our relying on God must not start only when there is trouble, but it must be practiced and exercised in all circumstances at all times. 
True faith believes the track record recorded for us in Scripture to be true and reliable. When we are called upon to exercise faith in the God of the Bible, the one who has revealed himself in Scripture, then we have a lot of evidence to go on when we believe Scripture to be true. True faith knows that the Lord will never disappoint us or let us down. With him all things are possible, and he will provide us with what we need. God has revealed himself in Scripture as a faithful God, as a God who fulfills the promises he makes. He told Abraham that he would have a child in his old age. It seemed to be a very unlikely promise, but he kept it and fulfilled his word, and Isaac was born. He told his people Israel that they would be delivered from their cruel taskmasters in Egypt. It seemed very unlikely to happen, as they were so powerless, but their God came through on his word. He worked many wonders against the gods of the Egyptians, wonders which could never have been imagined. As a result of those wonders, God's name was glorified, and he achieved his purpose with Pharaoh, and his people were delivered. He led them through the wilderness. He had to punish them for their unfaithfulness and lack of faith. But nevertheless, he brought their descendants into the promised land. While they were in the promised land, God continued to be with his people. And the promises of the coming Messiah became clearer. He preserved the line of David so that the Messiah would eventually be born in the town of Bethlehem. This Messiah is Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for his people in order that their sins would be washed away and they would receive every spiritual blessing from God. Those who have true faith know that only Jesus Christ gives salvation and redemption from sin. We know this because the Bible tells us so. Scripture also makes a point of explicitly saying this as well. Think of what the Apostle John wrote in John 20, when Jesus told Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then the Apostle writes, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let us believe the testimony of the apostles and put our faith in Jesus Christ alone. True faith is not only characterized by a sure knowledge that everything in Scripture is true, but it is also a matter of the heart, a personal certainty that the contents of Scripture and the gospel also apply to me personally. 
as we confess in the Catechism, it is a firm confidence that not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. True faith is not merely a theoretical knowledge, but it is a personal and a practical knowledge. Those who have true faith know that the message of the gospel is also for them. It is not simply something that is true and good, but it is something that they share in as well. Faith is the means by which we make Christ's righteousness our own. Our confessors also speak more about this when they deal with justification. How are we justified before God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. True faith consists of both a sure knowledge and a firm confidence in the Word of God and its personal application to each believer. We can see this true faith at work in the life of the Father in Mark 9. The account of the healing of the boy begins in verse 14 with a picture of the other disciples who had not been with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. The scribes and the large crowd and they're all arguing with each other. When they notice that Jesus has arrived, they greet him with great amazement. You almost get the impression that they're trying to outdo themselves with kindness towards Jesus so that he will not suspect what they have just been talking about. But Jesus is not fooled by them because he knows their hearts and their thoughts. He asked them what they have been arguing about. The father of the son, who has an unclean or evil spirit, answers Jesus' question. He says that he brought his son to Jesus, but his disciples were not able to drive out the spirit which caused the muteness and the convulsions that the boy is experiencing. Now the argument occurred between the disciples and the crowd and the scribes. Based on Jesus' forceful reaction in verse 19, it is quite probable that the scribes were trying to persuade the disciples and the people that Jesus is not the true Messiah and that he's merely an imposter. They would point to the fact that his disciples couldn't drive out the evil spirit. How could Jesus be the true Messiah then? The scribes had their doubts all along, and now they are confirmed in their unbelief towards Jesus. When Jesus arrives, he right away asks about their argument. After hearing the response of the Father, he characterizes this generation as a faithless or unbelieving generation. And he wonders how long he will be with them and how long he will be able to bear with them. Their unbelief grieves him deeply. Jesus asked that the boy be brought to him so that he can heal him. When the boy is brought to Jesus, he has another seizure. The evil spirit throws the boy down. 
He foams, grinds his teeth, becomes rigid. In response to Jesus' further questions about the boy, the father says to Jesus in verse 22, But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. The man is desperate. He knows that he needs the help of the Lord. And he believes that he has found it in Jesus Christ. But he still wavers and is unsure. And so he says, if you can. Jesus picks up on this right away. And he quotes his uncertainty, if you can. And then he assures the father of the boy that all things are possible for him who believes. Why is this the case? Because the one who believes in the true God and exercises true faith will receive blessings from the Lord. And now in this particular circumstance, these blessings include the healing of the man's son. The boy's father does not take long to come to a decision after hearing Jesus' assuring words. We read in verse 24, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. This response summarizes the experience of faith in the life of believers. The man does believe. He does trust that Jesus is able to help him. He believes Jesus' words that everything is possible for him who believes because the one who believes puts his trust in God alone. The man goes to Jesus in his distress. He has true faith. He believes Jesus and trusts in him to be able to provide real help in his time of need. The father of the boy does not go elsewhere, but he goes to Jesus alone. He believes that Jesus will be able to heal his son he entrusts himself into the care which Jesus of Nazareth will provide. The father knows that this care will be directly applied to his son and he will be healed. Brothers and sisters, do you also have this same true faith? A faith which goes to the Lord alone and seeks from him all of your help and comfort in good times and bad times. A faith which trusts God at his word and believes the gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ. A faith which is characterized also by a firm confidence that this message also applies to you personally and not only to other people. The message of the Lord in Scripture always provides a solid basis on which we can build our life. He is the only one who speaks the truth, and he never lies. He will always come through on his words of promise, words which he also spoke to you and to me, words which must be believed and trusted. Yet at the same time, the father also had nagging doubts and uncertainties. 
Can he really trust Jesus to do this? Will he really be able to help? He confesses these thoughts to Jesus and also asks him to help him with them. And so we come to the second point, the struggle with unbelief. True faith must not be confused with perfect faith. While we live on this side of eternity, we will never have perfect faith, but there will always be something lacking in our faith, even though the object of our faith is Jesus Christ, and we know that he died for us personally. We apply the truth of the gospel to our lives, and yet so much is missing in our faith as well. The Father expressed this very clearly to Jesus. He went to him and knew that he would be the one who would be able to heal his son. Otherwise, he would not have gone to Christ. And yet, even while he did that, he had doubts in his mind and was not really sure. After all, Jesus looked like any other man. Why would he be so special? He had just seen that his disciples were not able to heal his son. Perhaps then Jesus was not so powerful after all. The man did not, however, simply go to Jesus as a last resort. It was a positive decision on his part. He does immediately respond to Jesus' question by asserting that he does believe. And yet there are also lingering doubts and unbelief. He finds it difficult to wholly commit himself to Christ, to trust his words and abilities without any wavering at all. Brothers and sisters, do you perceive your own struggle with unbelief? Are the words of this father merely theoretical words? Or can you also identify with them? For each one of us, the exact manner of this unbelief in our hearts will be different. Some may be plagued with doubts from time to time about whether or not the gospel itself is even true. How do we know that it was not made up by someone, as many today in our society claim? How do we know that the Bible is indeed from God? Such thoughts and doubts are thoughts of sinful weakness. They are thoughts which should not occur in a child of God, but it can happen. We must not simply excuse ourselves and say that we are weak and therefore cannot help it, and therefore it's not really a problem. No such unbelief is sin. It must be struggled against. Such doubts must be acknowledged as unbelief and characterized as such so that we can begin to overcome them with the help of the Spirit of Christ. It is certainly true that the Lord can use these doubts to cause us to think more deeply about our faith and about Scripture. And then the Lord can use our sinful weakness even to our benefit. But we must not exult in our weakness or wear it proudly like a badge, but instead 
turn earnestly to the Lord for help in eliminating our unbelief as much as possible. Others may have difficulty with prayer and wonder why it seems as though God does not answer our prayers the way we would like them to be answered. We may have various struggles, difficulties in life, and we may constantly bring them before God in prayer, and yet nothing seems to change. It can happen that as God's children, we start to despair, and yet, and wonder if God even hears our prayers, and question why God is not answering us. Such thoughts and lines of reasoning are understandable, but they are not therefore good and right. They are evidence of a lack of faith, of a weak faith, of a faith which needs to be strengthened by the power of the Spirit and renewed insight into the plan that God has for his children. Our unbelief can also come to the fore through the great difficulty that we can have in recognizing and confessing our sins before God and with breaking from those sins. A refusal to change our lives after receiving a knowledge of the truth is also a form of unbelief. And so many other examples of unbelief in the life of the Christian can be mentioned. The form for the Lord's Supper also speaks about this when it says, We do not have perfect faith, and we do not serve God with such zeal as he requires. Daily we have to contend with the weakness of our faith and with the evil desires of our flesh. Our ongoing sins of weakness are also evidence of unbelief and the need to fight and struggle in the Christian life. For all sin can be traced back to its root of rebelling against God and refusing to seek everything that we need from Him alone. That is the essence of sin. And that is why our daily sins are evidence of our unbelief. The question is, what do we do when we perceive these daily sins of weakness and unbelief? Do we tolerate them? Or do we struggle against them and recognize them for what they are, rebellion against God? May we never rest in them, brothers and sisters, but always strive for perfection under the blessing of the Lord. May the words of the Father in our text also be our words. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. For those words recognize the difficulty we have. He confesses his unbelief to Christ and also asks him for help in the struggle that he experiences. He also knows that Jesus Christ is the only one who can help him in this. And so we come to the last point, the only source of help. The only source of help in overcoming our unbelief is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who will help us to overcome 
the doubts and the weaknesses that we have, the unbelief that we can still experience because of our ongoing struggle against sin. When we struggle with doubts and uncertainties as to whether the gospel is even true in the first place, then let us enter the workshop of the Holy Spirit, his word, open it and read it with an open and willing heart. Pray to God that your heart will be opened so that you will again become convinced of the truth of his word. We confess in Article 5 of the Belgic Confession that the main reason we believe the word of God to be true is because of the witness of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. He witnesses to us that the Bible is indeed from God himself. There is no other book like it in all the world. The Bible also shows itself to be true in the evidence it contains. The apostles assure us that they are eyewitnesses of the events that happened. No man could ever have imagined the glorious solutions to our plight which God has brought about. Do not doubt, but believe and have faith in God alone who is worthy of such faith because he is perfect and true always. While we may fail and prove to be unfaithful and untrustworthy, God will never let us down. Hold on to him and you will never be disappointed. Go to him in sincerity of heart and he will give you the strength and the insight that you need to trust him fully and rely upon his word of truth. When we struggle with sin or with what seem to be unanswered prayers, go to the Lord for relief and lay it all before him in confession and humility. Tell the Lord everything that is on your heart and acknowledge your weakness and iniquity. He will never despise those who come to him with a contrite and sincere heart. Go on in the strength of the Lord alone, never trusting in your own abilities. Remember that he has given you his promised Holy Spirit who works faith in our hearts. Lift up your eyes to Jesus Christ and be encouraged by the fact that he understands our struggles, for he was a man on earth as well, though without sin. He will plead for us before the Father, and the Holy Spirit will plead for us from our hearts here on earth and give us the words to speak when we are unable to. In all the trials and difficulties we experience in this sinful world, never give up faith. Never doubt the words of our faithful God and Father. When temptations to sin arise, flee to your Father in heaven and ask him for strength and for wisdom, for a faith which does not waver, 
For a true faith which consists of a true knowledge and a firm confidence that what Christ has done and suffered is indeed for you personally. He who has shown his faithfulness throughout our lives will continue to show it also in our time of need. He will never abandon us, but he will hang on to his children. He will work in them through his spirit so that our faith is strengthened and renewed and so that our faithful God may receive all the praise and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us now sing together hymn 71, stanzas 1 and 2. <clears throat> 